Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello and welcome to Worcester Culture Watch on Telegram.com and WorcesterMag.com and various other .coms that somewhere out there. All the .coms. I was actually really, really surprised to discover that we are actually do are syndicated through all the podcast services when we do this. Right. So you can like subscribe to this on Spotify or whatever. On iTunes, the iTunes, iTunes podcast store. Stitcher, yep. probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, as the podcasters like to say. I, I, I actually took me a long time to actually realize that was true. I thought right. we were just kind of just, you had to go to telegram.com and download it. But no, there are other ways to listen to that. Right. You might be listening to it on one of those other ways right now. <laughs> Anyways. Hi, my name is Victor Infante. I'm the entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and the content editor for... Worcester Magazine, and the automotive editor for the Grafton Daily News. That's, you know, that's a... That's a very specific editor job in today's media. I didn't landscape. know they. I am kind of surprised they needed one actually. Yeah, but, know, you know, yeah. you never know. Grafton, never, man, never really thought about that as a hub of uh, American manufacturing. But you know, you know, they're serious about their cars in Grafton. Yeah, right, right. I am in the studio today with Worcester Magazine reporter and official felinologist Bill Shaner. Hi, yeah, Bill. I am a felinologist, and that that's not what you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it isn't. Oh, God. So I'm going to get cards and letters now, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. We have a lot to talk about going up, coming up here, but I think we need to start with Murder Cats. Murder Cats. Uh, 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 loyal readers of my column, Wisteria, will know that I've dedicated two straight weeks of the leadoff spot to the uh, to the fact that there may or may not be actual mountain lions in Worcester, despite the fact that mountain the mountain lions in on the east coast uh like uh eastern cougars have been declared extinct hmm. uh, a couple a couple sightings jogged my first column last week and then after that i put out a call for more mountain lion related information and i got so many emails of various levels of credit um uh, you know, I've seen a bobcat uh, uh, up on the west side in Milford, in Charlton, uh, in the Indian Hill neighborhood, on Mill Street. Uh, there's even some uh, some sort of blurry but sort of convincing, um, like uh, hunting cam captures of what look like mountain lions, but also. This could just be someone messing with me, sending me. It could uh, be from anywhere. Yeah, a hunting like sending me a picture from Colorado, where like this kind of thing is possible and happens all the time. Uh, so you know, an interesting thing, and the most interesting thing, uh, Colin Novick and Brenda Melican both posited to me the theory that the 
Ecotarium's big cat exhibit is luring in big murder cats from around the area because they say cats can smell cats from many miles away. Like 100 miles. Yeah. So these big cats in Worcester are luring in all the other big cats. And the, 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 now Worcester is just becoming a hub of big murderous cats. <laughs> Uh, which I think is great. I think we should have this this big cat exhibit should go on for forever, and Worcester can just be something of a cougar sanctuary, which would be great for everyone, unless you own a Chihuahua. There's a there's a joke in my in there about certain bars which I cannot make. <laughs> Trust me, Worcester has more than one cougar sanctuary. Already. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness gracious, we're yeah. way off track. But now have, you've you've. Two very interesting and very intelligent people just noted, Colin Novick from the Greater Worcester Land Trust, who exactly. is a man who would know what he's talking about, uh-huh. and Brendan Malikin from 508, a show about Worcester, yeah. who is a man who is very good at sounding what he know, like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. no, no. Brendan's a smart guy, a friend of the show. Yeah. yeah but um, two, these, two are, smart guys. These, are not, these are not crazy people. No. No. These, and I, I really do. I didn't look into whether or not this is a theory that has been posited by other people. Uh, but I think that those two people independently coming to me and being like, hey, this is why, lends it a certain amount of credibility. And we're, I mean, in this arena where there's no credibility at all to any of it, which, yeah. which is what makes it fun. Exactly. Yeah. And, well, I was talking to somebody who works in this building, actually, um, who but lives up in North County. Yeah. And she says the reason everybody's reading this story is everybody in North County's reading it and laughing at us because they know that they've known for ages that there's mountain cat lions around here. Yeah. Okay. And well, I love that. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're they're saying that they've been around here for ages. Maybe they're wandering down. Maybe they're wandering down like the mooses are. Right. Right. You know, you gotta wonder. If- I remember the moose from uh, the moose and the loose from <laughs> like five years ago. I think it was. <laughs> Uh, it's like uh, that was one of my favorite days on Twitter. There was like every reporter from Worcester was just out like looking for the moose. And it was so good. <laughs> that was great, and that was the one that was on Grove Street mm-hmm. and came down. And this one again, St. John Cemetery, was it? Yeah, right. Was that was the happy moose story where they caught it and they took it out? But yeah, then there was another moose that got hit on Salisbury Street mm. um, because mooses are bad pedestrians evidently yeah um, and they're also terrifying mystical creatures they are yeah they're really big but it's like i so that was tragic but the fact that we had two mooses right in a row in the same area i mean obviously there's probably some relationship between them but yeah that's just strange yeah and it's, i don't think that mountain lions hunt moose no Nothing. Nothing hunts moose. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. Just <laughs> Bigfoot hunts moose. Bigfoot hunts moose. Yeah. So, Big- hey, any Bigfoot sightings in Worcester? I, I I'm I'm all ears. I'm I not entirely it. sure, but I since I don't actually know who some of these city council candidates are, still one of them may indeed be Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would really put Worcester on the map. It would first you know, first Bigfoot city councilor. You really got to ask yourself, Bigfoot, Pawtucket Red Sox. What has the higher profile? Bigfoot. Bigfoot But if we could have Bigfoot on the city council and the Worcester Murder Cats. See? Yes. Great team name. (laughs) Great. They're still looking for a team name as far as I know. It would be amazing. There's never going to be a better team name suggestion than the Worcester Worcesters. Uh, (laughs) I I swear that is is just brain genius, God-level 
team name. And the fact that it's historical is even better. Yeah, and if they don't, like, if you're listening to me, Charles Steinberg, you have to take that name. Like, you just have to do it. It's the best one. Uh, but if they don't decide to do that, Murder Cats, pretty good, uh, pretty good second choice. There we are, the yep. Worcester Murder Cats. Now, on the cover of Worcester Magazine today, you've got the, a really, really well done story. I oh, really enjoy. You. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed Christine Peterson's photography on it too. Yeah, you got to pick up a print paper because the layout of all of these photos from this old building is just so nice. It's spectacular. It really is. But the, it is about a place called the Bridge. And can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So you. Uh, you you probably know the bridge without knowing that it is the bridge. It's the building behind Miss Worcester Diner uh, that sort of looks like a combination between a factory and a church. Uh, it's and it used to be a, a textile mill um, and in various forms, and it's been abandoned basically uh, for a long time. It's you know another classic story of the death of manufacturing sure. in Worcester. You know it's, yeah. the built this town's we've, filled with. We've, we've heard it a million times. This town's built with mill buildings, but for the past five six years, this guy Dan Ford, who's uh, who's lived in the neighborhood for forever, has been sort of like taking the trash out, rehabbing it, and he has this big grand vision to turn the building into a youth center mm. to help uh, to help the, the the kids in the neighborhood and also to expand upon his program uh, where he he takes kids in from the neighborhood and teaches them uh, auto shop so that they can go on and get uh, you know good job good jobs as mechanics uh, and that's his, his sort of whole thing uh, is that it, it's hard for you know, at risk kids to get into the the trade school in Worcester because the trade school in Worcester is more like a STEM prep school now. Yeah. So he wants to sort of fill that gap. But uh, this building is currently listed and it got listed about a month ago for $1.2 million, which is insane given that even the assessor's uh, valuation of the building is like 450000 and it's just so obviously a case of market speculation tied to the um, the 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 Pawsox, uh project. I mean, right in the marketing material, which I dug up for this story, uh, they're advertising that it's steps away from this new project and it's right next to the highway. And I mean, that's obviously what they're going for. So what you have here is a struggle between community members trying to make something good out of uh, this this husk of like what used, Worcester used to be to help Worcester and the speculative real estate market looking to cash in on some prime real estate. Uh, so and I think that that story is happening in various forms all over Worcester right now. It, oh, of course. It, it goes back to just a general theme in my reporting, which has been like gentrification is something that we really need to, to be serious about and, and consider and and write public policy around in Worcester because it's coming like there's no way that it's not and like this is just a a small example of that it is and i really it's not even the first example though it is it is a really striking one especially right. since there's so much of the energy around this building is positive mm-hmm. um i think really the first big harbinger if you will was when the lucky dog closed down yeah yeah because yeah. because that was strictly a case of market speculation. There was no buyer on hand, as far as we can tell. Right. Um, we have um, Craig Seaman down at the Telegram and Gazette did some excellent reporting mm-hmm. on that, but he was he was able to reach the owner, but, you know, she was saying she was selling it for the ballpark. Yeah. 
and then later was adding that it would sell bet she'd have an easier time selling it if it didn't have an occupant so the the club was closed out on speculation and it's remained empty ever since now, right i walked by it today and was like walking around where they're doing work on the ballpark mm-hmm. now and yeah, it's going to come pretty much right up to its backside there right um, you know, right up to the, you know, yeah, right it's up the street. Be, but, it's going to be right there. Yeah. But the, the funny thing is about, you know, the same thing is true. The lucky dog is as true as that, as the mill, which is in addition to the price of real estate, there's also a price of refurbishing the building. Mm-hmm. So, and if, this, I mean, you'll see it even from the pictures that Christine did such a nice job with this building's in rough shape. Yeah. It's in really rough shape. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's unclear what someone would do with it. Uh, but you know, the, 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 you naturally want to lean to if, if a real estate, if a developer is interested in this, it's for like some sort of condo type thing, uh, which, which could be true. Sure. Uh, or they could just level it. I don't know. I mean, that's up to, some, yeah. that's up to a buyer, but, uh, Dan Ford and others involved in sort of like trying to keep this building under some sort of community control are sort of pushing the idea of a community land trust, which would allow, which would uh, basically take the tax burden off of the owner right. and uh, make it easier to get public money to invest in it and make it a, I think that's a a clever idea. Yeah. I really do think it's a, it is a smart idea. Right. Cause the, the, the estate, uh, although I, and I'm really sad because I really wanted to get the, the perspective of the property owner Yeah, and they just, you know, didn't, didn't want to talk to me, uh, which is, you know, probably in some way that I don't understand in their best interest. I don't know. Uh, but I really wanted to just get the perspective of like, you know, the, this, this estate has been sitting on this building for forever and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's actually worth something. And, you know, kind of like picking their brain about how they feel about that and like whether or not they think it is actually worth something now or it's just hype uh, and all, all that sort of stuff. But maybe maybe I'll get a follow up story. And it, it's funny because irregardless of this building itself, the the need that Dan Ford is looking to address, the need for a place to offer skills to at risk kids. Yeah. Um, to offer automotive classes, art reach. Now, some of that, if creative hub, the creative hub is also eyeing some of that, though not automotive, as far as I last <laughs> last I heard. Yeah, yeah. But um, but still, I'm the 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 need is so pronounced, and it's going to take more than one organization to do that. Right, right. And it's, it's it, a like I said, it's a it's a hugely ambitious vision. It is. Yeah. And you know, even if this building ends up not being the place for that, I think I'm glad that that idea is out there. That, right. That there is a need. Yeah, because yeah, taking this away doesn't take the need away. <laughs> right, right, and that's actually uh, interviews with both Dan and Vanessa, who uh, who's working on building out an art gallery in this space. Uh, they they both sort of talked about that. Mm. That um, uh, if if not this building, if it if it has to be a victim to uh, market forces, then you know there's got to be somewhere. So uh, excellent. So, yeah, you know, like I. I that has been sort of the story of everything in, in it's this true. changing city. It's true. Just it's because rapidly changing city. in this rapidly changing city, the need does not go away just because you 
change the building or the business. Right, right. Whether that's a mill building or a newspaper. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anywho's. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to take a short break here. This is a new song by Cheap City. You have been listening to the Pierre Boulet Memorial Discotheque by Cheap City. Cheap City will be playing at the Raven on Friday. We have banished Bill Shaner from the studio. He is off tracking mountain mountain lions in the west side of Worcester. We have replaced him with the estimable Richard Duckett. Hello, Victor. Hello. And Richard, you've got another fantastic story in the Telegram and Gazette, to, or excuse me, the Worcester, I don't know what paper I write for anymore, the Worcester Magazine today, which is on the Worcester Jazz Festival. Yes. Well, uh, the Worcester Jazz Festival debuted last year uh, on Worcester Common, and you never know how these things are going to go. Um the last year, it, the event began with rain and 30 degrees of um, weather, according to the organizers. I remember but, that. Um, but the day warmed up, 
um, so did the music and so did the crowds. And now uh, the festival is back, this time as um, uh, a three-day, four-event uh, festival. Mm. So um, they'll be back on Worcester Common again on uh, October 12th with an all-day lineup. And there'll be also events going on on October 10th at uh, Worcester Academy, um, October 11th at Redemption Rock Brewing Company, and later on the 12th, after the festival is over at Worcester Common, uh, people will be going over to the pavilion at the Beer Garden to uh, listen to the Yoko Mio Trio. That's good. That sounds like a great time. And that's, those are some really fantastic events. I know a lot of those are heavy hitters that the city is very familiar with. But yeah, I think it's really an exciting to see this festival grow and really find its footing and its confidence. Yeah, it's it's being organized by the New England Jazz Enrichment Foundation, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the principals of that foundation have had experience of uh, organizing the Newton Jazz Festival, which um, is quite a big event now it these is. days. Um, but anyway, um, uh, the as I said, the two main principal organizers um, have moved to Worcester and taken up Worcester as their community. And that's one of the reasons why they introduced the Jazz Festival last year. And they have big plans for it. Um, They would like to see it become um, a week-long event or even a two-week-long event by by 2023, uh, bringing in 10,000 people for a week's worth of activities. Um, uh, I mean, well... If uh, it can grow from what it was last year to what it is this year, that uh, might not be out of the question. Well, there is a sense that there is a lot of, I hate to say investment because that that sounds so clinical, but it is actually literal in this case, investment in the arts in the city. But it's also an emotional investment, not just a physical investment. There's a concerted effort, really, to make Worcester sort of a hub of regional arts. Yes, yes, it is part of that picture, definitely. Um, Worcester has a jazz tradition. I oh, mean, what? I mean, walking down the street, I don't hear jazz in the air, but um, there is a jazz tradition going back to back to um, Jackie Jackie Bayard, mm-hmm. um, um, the um, clubs that were here before the war, and what is now Plumley Village. Um, Radio station WICN, I mean, it hasn't always been a jazz station, but for the past few years, it has been one of the few um, jazz-oriented radio stations in the country. Yeah, Uh, definitely. And there are a lot of jazz musicians here. Uh, Schools and colleges have bands. Um, Jazz is played in restaurants quite frequently. Oh, yes. there's uh, other 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 event other live events include the Jazz at Sunset series, which it's had it's had its interruptions, but it goes it goes back at least twenty years altogether. Yeah, um, and then and then this summer um, another f- outdoor festival had its first uh, outing, and that was the Central Mass Jazz Festival. Right. Right, uh, at, um, Christopher Colombo Park. So, so I mean, it's around, um, and 
and people. It, it's obviously um, attracted some interest. Uh, I don't think there was much in the way of sponsorship for the Worcester Jazz Festival last year, but this this year there is quite a bit of sponsorship for it. Well, excellent. Yeah, that, that's good. It's I and it's you know that some of these new spaces downtown, you know, the beer garden being one, the pavilion at the beer garden is becoming a popular venue for a wide range of music right now, comically mm. wide at some points because it's like sometimes you'll get like outlaw country over there and then, a, you know, dance night right afterward. Yes. But um, so, and, you know, with the Worcester pop-up, of course, has taken on a pretty big role. And speaking of the Worcester pop-up, there's been some news that the old 20 Franklin Street where the Telegram used to live. Yeah, well... um People have been waiting. People in the, especially in the theatre community, but in the arts community in general, have been waiting to see what's going to happen to a, an idea that's been around for about two or three years now, having what they call a black box theatre downtown. Mm. Um, and uh, the people in waiting, wondering, but there was an announcement um, on October first that. Um, uh, uh, arts complex that will include uh, the Black Box Theatre and the Worcester uh, pop-up uh, at, located at, at 20 Franklin Street. Um, it's going to open. It's going to be named the um, Gene McDonough Arts Centre, named after a well-known patron of the arts, Gene McDonough, who mm-hmm. has... Um, given a gift of $2 million for construction and operations. So so that means that the Black Box Theater will open in the spring. It'll seat near about 300 people. And it can be laid out in different ways to suit uh, different events, such as theater, music, movie screenings, lectures, that sort of thing. Uh, so there hasn't been a Black Box Theater really here since... Um, Forum Theatre's space on Chatham Street, which could have been called a black box theatre, mm. uh, that, but that goes up back now, uh, 20 years. Hard, yeah. to, hard to believe that. Uh, and also uh, Foothills Theatre did have a small, besides its regular theatre, it did have a um, smaller space where they put on uh, uh, black box theatre productions. But that, that now is... Um, Ten years at least of you know back in back into his into the history books. So yeah. um, so 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 it'll um, um, with those two combined, and then just down the road a little bit um, to the Hanover Theatre, they're going to have an open uh, open air stage uh, down there. Um, um, so there is a lot of uh, things happening in that. Um, that, that little corner of uh, downtown from Franklin Street down to Southbridge Street, uh, in addition to various other uh, efforts that are being made to spruce up uh, Main Street from from to the from the Palladium and down to Chandler Street with different different things, uh, you know, murals and statues, and uh, uh, so so I mean. Um, it uh, it continues it continues apace. There was a strange moment today. It was literally just a couple hours ago this happened, where this whole art center sort of became re- real in my mind, and it was the stupidest thing that made it real in my head. This you know this is the inside of my head here. Where fa- on Facebook I got a notice that 
Worcester Pop-Up has changed its name to Worcester Pop-Up at JMAC. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that stupid little thing that I'm like, oh, okay, they are serious about yeah. this. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, $2 million is pretty serious. That's pretty serious. Uh, That'll do it. Um, but, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, this has been – there's we've had a, seen a, this little – spree of news of um, local organizations receiving grants, local organizations um, getting endowments, etc. Um, Worcester Music, I know, had something coming up. Yeah, so, well, yeah. And um, speaking of gifts, the Music Worcester got the biggest single gift in its history um, this week. Uh, a 1.2 million gift from the um, uh, Fletcher Foundation and the Stoddard Charitable Trust. It's a joint gift of uh, 1.2 million, and uh, it's going to establish an endowment fund, which will fund a yearly uh, concert uh, um, as part of the Music Worcester season. So, so there'll be one concert underwritten every year, and that's a pretty substantial amount to <laughs> to write a concert so i imagine they're so well, they're going to go for it <laughs> yeah so it will establish it for years to come to come exactly yeah. but uh, it's and well i mean and that's that it does go back into that sense of actual investment in the arts both community wise and financially but also you know there's sort of it really does feel like it's become part of the city's identity a as the city changes and gentrifies, there also seems to be this effort to kind of hold on to its soul, and yes. not just in a right. not just in a effort mm. to arts bring investors. I, I do feel like it is a little more than that in some of these cases. Yeah, I think I think especially with the um, Gene McDonough Arts Center, there seems to be a conscious effort there that they want the, the you know the Worcester pop up in the black box theater to be something that is utilized by the community. It's mm. not it's not something for um, a private theater to go in and take over. It'll be uh, open for uh, various various organiza- organizations to go in and, and use. Yeah, and if if you don't mind me segueing a little bit into the news about the Worcester Poet Laureate um, endeavor. Now, this is a thing I write about fairly frequently, and it, Longtime readers and listeners know that I have a whole other career in poetry outside of this place. But um, so it is a thing that is of great interest to me, even though I, I, I have no interest in doing the job myself. Um, Worcester had a poet laureate um, for life, um, Gertrude Halstead. She was appointed in 2005, I believe, and passed away in 2012. Uh, don't quote me on those dates. Any any fact checkers out there and the listenership? Um, I, I knew Gertrude. She was an amazing woman, an incredible poet. Um, and there's been talk of bringing the post back ever since. And then, I mean, even so much that um, the city manager at Augustus announced that in 2015 that they were going to be bringing it back um, at a National Poetry Month event. And it was very strange. It's just sort of this foot dragging, nobody really knowing what to do with it. So I was really shocked. I didn't, somebody, I had gotten a heads up about six months ago that they were going to do the Youth Poet Laureate mm-hmm. thing, but, you know, it was one of those off the record, we're not ready to talk about this yet, but it's, you know, in the wind. I'm like, oh, well, that'll be nice. There's a lot of good youth organizations working with poetry, 
and poetry in the city. So that makes sense. Um, Worcester, but so announcing that they were looking for both a poet laureate and a youth poet laureate at the same time was even caught me off guard. Um, so I, we don't have a whole lot of information. We are working on stories now about it. But um, the information to apply for either of those positions is up on the city's website. It's also uh, up on my story on telegram.com and worcestermag.com um, and uh, probably various other .coms by this point. <laughs> and we're like on 20 sites now. It's really uh, our, it's like our stories just sort of spiral into the, across the web. It's very strange. But um, all joking aside, um, but you know, I, it's, it is a th- development that I'm very excited about. I always joke. I stole this joke from Alex Harlan Beatty's um, local poet, Alex Harlan Beatty's. Worcester's a town that has more poetry readings than does Starbucks. I don't know if that's exactly true anymore. Um, there's suddenly a lot more Starbucks. But, <laughs> um, but it is a town with a strong poetry tradition, and I really am have high hopes that this will, this will do a lot of good for the art form in the city. Well, um, yeah, I... You have to forgive me, but being from England, um, where the poet laureate, the national poet laureate, is a position that goes back centuries, mm. um, the position became a bit of a laughing stock um, over the last uh, twenty or thirty years because um, one of the requirements really was that uh, the poet laureate produce poetry um, in, in, in relation to national events of occurrence and. Um, and, mm. and some of them were really bad. Uh, and, I, and I noticed that uh, the Worcester Poet Laureate, um, the hope is that uh, uh, he or she will write at least one poem or two poems a year about about Worcester. And uh, that that could be very dangerous. Uh, um, some of the other objectives, such as you know, hosting poetry events or putting on workshops, uh, uh, that's, that's, that's nice and laudable. But um, having public poetry, I don't know about that. Well, man, we've, we can see where it goes. It's funny because we've, you know, since we brought the Poetry Town feature back in Worcester Magazine, which we run every other week, um, I ask mostly I solicit poets um, to with the to, to give us poems with the theme that are either about or inspired by Worcester. And I've been amazed at just how uncaustic some of the stuff I've gotten is, even if they're getting into the nitty gritty of. You know, Urban Worcester, they, they, they found a way to write about the city with love and, you know, deep affection. And I, I, I am hoping for that. But, yeah, I get the feeling they're going to have some really interesting conversations around, around that front of the public occurrence poetry going on still. It's, I think it's an interesting thing, and oh, it's yeah, definitely well, worth watching. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what it yields. All right. Is there anything else that we should be talking about Well, we've got plenty of good stories coming up, so stay tuned. All right. We'll be talking about those more next week here on Worcester Culture Watch. As always, our music was composed by DJ Manipulator. Thank you and good night. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.